Um, week four, this is it. This is the last week of focus. Um, well, not the last week of focus, the last week of the, the series focus, right? Um, I'm just going to say this for me. This has been an incredible month. Um, just God, just, I don't know if you're doing the focus, uh, focus devotions. I'll say this, if you did not sign up for the, how many of you, I'm always scared to ask, how many of you have, have been a part of that, focus devotions? Um, they're being texted to you, emailed to you. If you did not take part in that, it would be worth it to you to sign up and just take the next month and go through that. Um, they don't stop at the end of this month. You can still do them. Um, they just won't got to kind of run concurrent with what we're teaching. But um, just, it's just amazing what God has said to, to a lot of us, what God's starting to birth out of this series. Um, I want to try to try to kind of bring us to where we are today. So if, if you've missed any of these weeks, just let me Give me a second to catch you up. And then at the end of this, I'm going to, really, all I want to do today is I want to read you a passage of Scripture, and I want to um, explain to you how that has something to do with soccer. Is that cool? Well, look, I'm going to do it anyway, so it doesn't matter really what you thought. So here, here we go. Um, we, we've, we've, it all kind of is born out of Matthew chapter 28. Let me just read this to you. Matthew 28. If you grew up in church, then you know what I'm reading now is called the Great Commission. And what I've challenged us to, to see is that maybe it's better called the great omission because we don't do it, right? We, we, we kind of know we should, we nod our heads. And I think that's one reason why this month has been so good for our church because it's really refocused us on, oh, oh snap, like this is what the church is supposed to do, right? And so it's been great. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. It is the last thing that he says to his disciples. Um, he's, and this, he says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So again, all authority. How much authority is that? All, right? It's a lot of, it's all the authority there is in heaven and on earth given to me. And so what I'm going to say next comes from authority, all the authority, like no one else has more authority. So if he's got all the authority and he says something, is it important or not? It's important, right? It's like your boss saying, what I'm about to say to you, I want you to understand I hold your life in my hand. So do you go, ah, I'll get back with you. <laughs> no, you lean in. Okay, boss, what, what you got for me, right? And this is what Jesus said, all authority. He says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the great commission. And, and what we've found is, and we're focused on this, it, it gives us resolve, doesn't it? Like when we, do, when we settle, Jesus is Lord, it takes care of everything else, doesn't it? I mean, it costs something to go all in with Jesus, right? It costs something to go all in really on anything. Some of you went all in on a marriage. Okay, we'll just move on from there. Um, it, it costs. It costs something. Some days you wake up and you go, oh, God. You know, more days your spouse wakes up going, oh, God, right? I mean, you go all in on something like marriage. You go all in on a job. You go all in on a college. You go all You got to, at some point in your life, forget Jesus for a second. You've got to live for something that makes you push all your chips to the middle of the table. And if you're not living for something that makes you do that, you're not living, Right? And so Jesus says, look, this is what I'm saying to do. This is it. Nothing else. Just go make disciples. And we, we learned this in week one. When we go all in on that, man, it gives us so much resolve, doesn't it? Like Jesus says, look, if you go all in, it's going to cost you everything. That's cool, man. I don't really want to pay everything, but you're Lord, 
When we establish that Jesus is Lord, nothing else matters. It gives us resolve. And we found out this. When we have resolve, we start to understand that we better be reliable, right? Because if we're reliable, then we can start to see what's valuable. We're, we're reliable with what we see is valuable. So Jesus says this, I'm Lord. I've got all authority. I'm going to give you one command, just one, because I know your attention span's short, and I'm just going to give you one thing to remember, one thing, just one thing, make disciples. And whether we value that or not determines whether we're reliable with that or not. And that was the week that, can you just throw me that ball, honey? No, the other one, the football, the real football. Thank you so much, the real football. That was the week that we talked about being reliable, right? And that um, I showed you that great clip of Pam Oliver getting whacked in the head with a football, right? Because a backup quarterback, who was a backup for a reason, threw a ball that hit a reporter in the, in the face because she's on the sideline not wearing a football uniform. That's why he's the backup, right? Because he's the backup, he's the backup because he's not reliable. Like if you're, if you're throwing the ball and you're whacking people in the face on the sideline, you're not going to start in the NFL, Okay, that's the way it works. And so we talked about being reliable. Focus makes us reliable. Why do wide receivers catch the ball? Because they're looking for the ball. Pam Oliver's face was not looking. She got a concussion. And when you catch the ball, because this is what discipleship is, discipleship is I'm going to make you a disciple, and I want you to find reliable men and entrust them with the message and then I want them to find reliable men and entrust them with the message. And we talked about this. Only hot dogs carry the ball like this. People that want to make the highlight reel. The pastors with the skinny jeans, right? They carry the ball like this. <laughs> but the older pastors who would scare their congregations in skinny jeans don't do that, right? They're like, I got one job, and it is to secure the mission. Three points of contact. The tip, forearm, rib, Right? Worship, the word, community. You live a life like that, nobody's busting that thing out, okay? Last week, he goes, my wife is reliable, sweet. She caught it, she tucked it away, and she went, never thought of me again. Last week, we learned this, that if we're going to be reliable, that means we're going to get in, we're going to be all in, we're going to work hard, but there's also this thing called rhythm, right? We we read that curious verse in Galatians that says, don't grow weary in well-doing. And all of us chuckle and go, do what? Like, does Jesus know this is in the Bible? Like, I'm weary all the time. Like, we get tired all the time doing good stuff. So why is that verse in there? Because he said, look, don't grow weary. It's okay to get weary, but don't let it grow into this bone weariness where you're just like, I'm so tired of working for the church. That pastor's up there. He doesn't do nothing. He plays solitaire on his mobile phone. At the red light. We get so bitter because we're working hard for God and not working with God. And when we work with God, we learn what he said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary, right? And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's rhythm in this thing. So when we're focused on the goal, we're focused on making disciples. We know this. Sometimes we're really working hard. And sometimes we're really pulling back. There's a focus. There's a rhythm to this focus. And so some weeks you're serving at the door with a big smile going, good to have you at the gathering. And the next week you're right here worshiping. Because there's this give and this take. We talked about how football players, um, I told you they play five minutes um, a game. And I, and I was confused because it's five minutes a half. They play about 11 minutes in a game. The game's 60 minutes long. There's 11 minutes of activity in a football game. Because they run hard. 
Back to the huddle. Run hard. How do you recover after you've run hard? You pat people in the butt, right? Good job. And you go back to the huddle. Okay, we're not going to be the butt slapping church. I'm saying that right now. It's not going to happen. I had a pastor one time slap me on the butt after I'd given a testimony. I was like, whoa, hey, hey, what was that? Thank you, Jesus. Weird. There's rhythm. You got to have rhythm. And the reason we have to have rhythm is because we've got to be in this for the long haul. Okay? Anybody can do anything for the short haul, but if you don't have rhythm in your life, you're going to burn out. I'm going to burn out. And so you've got to have, you've got to be rested. I was thinking about this. Um, no one wants a lifeguard with narcolepsy. Right? Like I remember one time working up at the Y, and the worst time to work as a lifeguard at the Y was family swim. So Friday night, family swim, I'm a college kid. I'm like, Friday night, family swim, I'm sitting in this big wooden um, lifeguard chair. And that was back, way back, when they had like these little metal clips, and people would get a metal clip, and they had to walk in and hand it to the lifeguard and say, I'm here to swim now, sir. You know, and I was like, I would go, I deem you a swimmer. Go, you know, whatever. So I'm just sitting there, it's inside, it's humid, and I don't know when it happened, but at some point, I'm out. I mean, I'm, there's nobody in the pool. I'm just wasting my Friday night looking at water, right? And all of a sudden, I just heard, and I looked over, and there's this really angry elderly man tapping my lifeguard chair with his metal pen. I got you, man. You're safe here. Go ahead and swim. I was out, man. I was sound asleep in the lifeguard chair. I'm surprised I wasn't drooling into the pool, right? It was terrible. Nobody wants, like, we can't fall asleep doing this. We cannot fall asleep on the job. We're called to be reliable. If we're going to be reliable, we have to have rhythm. You got to have some time when you rest so God can replenish you so you can go hard at it again. And if you're like most people, At the end of this amazing life-altering series, you're thinking two words. Now what? If you're more cynical and don't care about the preacher's feelings, you're thinking, so what? But we got to answer that question. What is the point? What happens now? Now that we're all pumped up and jacked up about making disciples, what happens when it's August? So let's talk about that. Let me that other one. What the world would say is the real football. Oh, I touched it with my hands. Penalty. Because it's a soccer. Wow. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, and, and look, the whole outline is on, is on the website, okay? So I'm, I'm not just going to feel no pressure to go through the outline at all. I just want to make sure I get a point across to you, and then we'll move on, okay? So if I don't do all this stuff that's in here, Bless you. Go home and read it yourself. Um, But I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. I'm going to explain to you what it has to do with this. I'm going to go ahead and call it a soccer ball, even though the majority of the world would say it's a football. But I just think there's no way to be a man and say football, so I'm going to say soccer ball. It just sounds so funny, doesn't it? All you soccer guys are going to be beating me up later. This is what happens in Acts chapter 1. We just read in Matthew, right? We read in Matthew what Jesus said to the disciples, the Great Commission. And now here we are, Acts chapter 1. This is the last thing that Jesus is going to say to his disciples. He, he gets them together. Um, in verse 4 he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Um, and then in verse 8 he says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's really important. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in verse 9 says this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Verse 10, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, which is what you would do, right? I mean, a dude's talking to you and all of a sudden he's got like rocket fuel and gone. You'd be like, whoa. Did y'all see that? <laughs> he's looking intently up in the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now, what we're going to read in verse 11 is how we're going to wrap this series up, okay? Because if, if, if an angel could show up here today, I believe he would tell us what we're getting ready to read, okay? And he would say this. So put yourself in the disciples' position. Man of Galilee, the angel said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Why are you standing here? Looking into the sky? Soccer. I don't like soccer. It's comforting that the biggest man in the room agrees with me. <laughs> that is good. That is very, very good. And there's a back door. Um, I'm not a big soccer fan, okay? I'm just going to be honest. I don't like to watch soccer um, much. I have, I have to say, I have grown um, in my, the way I feel about soccer, I have grown from hating soccer to somewhat liking soccer, okay? So I'm never going to be the guy that's like, oh, yeah, soccer, baby. I'm, it's not going to happen. Um, but I'm learning to appreciate soccer. And let me tell you why. Because I know people that play soccer, I'm not talking about my kids when they were four. That's not soccer. That's just like clump something. You know, it's like, the, like a big group of people, and all of a sudden the ball is squirts out, and then like the whole clump, you know, big cloud of dust, ball squirts out. Yes, that's, that's not soccer, okay? That's, that's something that parents pay for that's ridiculous. Anyway, and I paid for it too, and I will again when I have grandkids, but not for a long time. Um, but the actual game of soccer, here's some things I learned about soccer. The average soccer player will run about seven miles in a game. Now, if they're really active, and I'm not even going to begin to try to say all of the positions because I'll look like an idiot, right? Well, the catcher runs for an inning. <laughs> um, I think they're called forwards. I think that's right. Um, and I, or maybe mid-strikers. I said I wasn't going to say it, but here I am anyway. Look at John's in the back going, just move on. The ones that move a lot, they, they run about nine and a half upwards to ten miles in a game. Now, I'm a runner. Well, I used to be. I'm still trying to be. i got to get my foot fixed. But, man, like, that's a 10K. That's, that's a 10K on average, even more than that. And then a 10-mile run every time they play a game. They're running all over the place. And you know what I find funny about soccer? We were talking, John and I were talking about this this week. People that really love soccer would watch a soccer match just to see the brilliance of the people that can dribble. Like, I don't take that for granted because at my age, and also it doesn't help that I'm white, um, if I tried to dribble a soccer ball as fast as those guys do, I'd be breaking, like, I would break three ankles. And I don't even have three ankles. I would just break all kinds of, I just, it's amazing to watch people. Um, can we, do we have, can we just run, I brought a quick clip, just, this is the kind of stuff about soccer players that just blow my mind. It's going to be quick, so watch. So, um, like, in, in my dreams, in my dreams, I can't do that. 
I don't know what's better about that clip, how amazed I am at that guy's ability or how bad I feel for the 500 people that couldn't stop him, right? I mean, just people would pay to watch that unless one thing happened. Who can think of what it might be? If he never shot the ball, if, if all soccer was was a bunch of guys or girls dribbling the ball up and down a field, running six and a half, seven, maybe ten miles, doing brilliant things with their feet and their head and their chest, but not their hands, and never shooting the ball. People would quit playing soccer because they'd be like, this is stupid. I'm just running around the field. I'm just getting tired. People would quit buying tickets to watch soccer because the only reason they watch soccer is that eventually someone's going to shoot at the goal and maybe make one. The whole point of soccer is to take the shot, isn't it? Maybe you don't relate to soccer. Basketball. Anybody play basketball here? Can you imagine how quickly the game of basketball would, would, would fade away if all people did was get the ball on one side of the court and dribble between the legs, behind the back, all the way down like Tony Parker-esh, you know, like Stephen Curry. He gets all the way down and like just gets to the basket and stops. And just hands the basketball to his opposing player and goes, I'm pretty good. Let's see what you can do. <laughs> Nobody goes to the games anymore because every game ends 0-0. Zero zero. Then it is like soccer. What? <laughs> <laughs> soccer, man. The whole point is to take the shot. This is what the angel's saying. He's saying this, like, why are you standing here? Why are you just standing here? Like, shouldn't you be doing something? I, didn't Jesus say something about Jerusalem? And they go, oh, that's right. We're supposed to be going to Jerusalem, which we find out later because they're on the Mount of Olives. It says a Sabbath day's walk, and they had actually back then figured out how far can you walk on the Sabbath and not break Sabbath laws. So this is about three-quarters of a mile. They're about three-quarters of a mile outside the city, they're supposed to be in the city because Jesus is gone. And the angel says, uh, hello, why are you standing here? Why are you looking? And, and look, hats off to them, right? They're good lookers. I mean, I don't mean they're good looking because they might not have been, but they're good lookers, right? He's like, they're looking intently. If we've learned nothing else in the American church, we're good lookers. We're really good at looking at Jesus, looking for Jesus, Worshiping Jesus, we gaze at Jesus a lot. Not so good at taking the shot. Something else I learned about soccer. Over half the shots that are taken by professional soccer players are taken so far from the goal that 3.5% of them will be successful. These are professionals, Right? Over half the shots taken in a season by professional soccer players. Some of you right now are like, we have professional soccer? Yes, we do. I think it's called the MLS. Um, we have the, over half the shots that are taken only have a 3.5% chance of going into goal. But there's a place on the field. It's, um, I don't know what it's called. Sorry, Richard. Um, but it's between 8 feet and 16 feet from the goal. So it's not where the goalkeeper stands. It's the next spot out. 31% of shots taken from that spot score. So, so soccer players 
Why would you take half your shots so far away from the goal that you only make three and a half percent when if you got in a little bit closer, one out of every three shots is scoring? I know I'm just, you're like, I cannot believe I came to church to learn about soccer. <laughs> well, you're here and you can't leave. <laughs> Do you know why they take shots so far away? It's easier. It's, it's easier. There's not as many defenders to try to dribble through. You don't have to think. You just go, oh, there's a goal somewhere over there. Bam. Man, we, we settle for bad shots in the church. We do stuff like drop tracks from helicopters. Well, we witnessed today, didn't we, boys? <laughs> to the sewer. You know what's harder but, yeah, but a lot more successful? Making disciples. It, something about making disciples, something about building relationships as a church gets us in closer so that when we take the shot, it's much more likely to be effective. The angel said, why are you standing here? Aren't you supposed to be doing something? What are you looking at? We're looking for Jesus. Yes, Lord. He's like, dude, he's going to come back. Translation, the clock is ticking. That same Jesus you saw go, remember when he said he was going to come back? He's going to come back. Do you remember what he told you to do? Go to Jerusalem. Wait for power so you can be my witnesses. Like, I think you've got something to do. Maybe you should stop staring at Jesus and go do what he said. Because the clock is ticking. And I don't know if you've ever played any kind of sporting activity, but when you're behind and the clock starts to hit like one minute and it's counting down, and you're like, we got to score, we got to score. Have you ever seen France? Just, that, that's when you start shooting, just shooting, just shooting because the clock's running down. We don't have time to just dribble around anymore. You got to take the shot. What's crazy is all these things that we've talked about, things like, you know, Bible study, quiet times, church, worship, community. Do you know why we do all these things? So we can take a shot. We do all those things so we can position ourselves. Like all those activities, all those disciplines, they're really, really important. They're much more important for us to do individually at home. It's Monday through Saturday than for you to come here and hope that I give you something amazing. The reason we do all that, that's like soccer players dribbling and passing down the field. That's part of how we run six and a half, seven, eight, nine, ten miles in a game. And at some point, aren't you tired of that? Don't you get worn out? You're like, God, we're working so hard. And why do soccer players keep playing? Because every now and then, a dude gets on a YouTube video because he dribbles the ball, and he fakes out five guys with one foot and scores. And as tired as number 10 was, when he shot that ball, did you notice when it went in, how quickly he sprinted to the sideline to go, I'm amazing! <laughs> Suddenly he's got energy. It's crazy, isn't it? Because taking the shot and scoring fills us with the passion that we need to try to take another shot. Focus. Focus makes us reliable. Focus allows us to have this rhythm. Man, focus calls for a response. 
It's not enough just to dribble around, do a lot of church work. It's not enough just to be like a Christian on Sundays. It's, it's, we've got to dribble in as close as we possibly can so that when it's time to take a shot, we can, and we have more chance to succeed. And look, that's just in soccer, right? All those stats about, well, 31% of shots from 8 to 16 feet go in the hole, in, in, the, in the goal. Shots taken from 16 feet and further out, 3.5%. I mean, that's like, that's stat nerd stuff, right? And some of you are stat nerds, so don't take that personally. You are nerds, though. But we're talking about the gospel. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says this, that the gospel is growing all around the world. This is the gospel. Like, we take the shot with the gospel, God's going to make sure we score. This isn't soccer. This is far more important than that. We take the shot with the gospel. God's going to watch over his word to make sure it never returns without bearing fruit. He's going to take the words that you share, and he's going to make sure that they go straight to the hearts of people. That's the God that we serve. I love that. The same Jesus will come back. There's got to be some sense of urgency. Not just to move. And again, this is not just about moving because soccer players move. This is about moving with purpose. They move to get down the field so they can score. Churches are really good with activity, right? As a matter of fact, you know what's crazy? When we first started this church, we talked about this, um, how we felt like we weren't doing anything for Jesus because we were so used to doing a lot of activity in church. And then we came here and we said, you know what? What if we just try to do three things well? What if we just try to have like Sunday morning, community groups, and serve the city? What if we just try to do those three things well? And so at first it was like, this is great. And after a while, all of us, myself included, were like, shouldn't we be doing more? See how we're so programmed that the Christian life is about a bunch of activity. The Christian life is about taking the shot, about scoring the goal. It's not about a lot of activity. It's about getting yourself into position to take a shot. Let me try to wrap it up like this. The now what question. The so what question. What does it look like if we take the shot? And here, here's how we're going to wrap this up. You got a note sheet. You're going to want to write some of this stuff down. Because we're going to call you to respond. Taking the shot looks like action. Taking the shot looks like movement. It looks like positioning ourselves in the lives of other people so that the love and gospel of Jesus can be seen, seen in us. It's, it's not positioning ourselves in their lives to fake them out like we're nice people that someday we can whip out our Bibles and go, you're really going to hell. It's just positioning ourselves in their lives to love people with the gospel and grace of Jesus. It looks like actions. Here's, here's three things it looks like, okay? Real practically, it looks like two services next week. That's what taking a shot looks like. And here's how I can tell you that. Because as your pastor, I would like to have one service for the rest of our lives. Because I love preaching to a full house. But it's not about me. And if we never have space for people that don't know Jesus to feel welcome in our services, then all we are is a bunch of silly soccer players running seven and a half miles every game and never taking a shot, and that's just stupid. So for us, taking a shot looks like having services at 9-11 again next week. And if you're a server here, it looks like this. Worship one, 
serve one. Be reliable when it's your time to serve. And when it's not your time to serve, be reliable to come here and worship so you can have yourself filled up again. It looks like this. If all you do is serve and you never see a shot taken, if you never actually share anything about Jesus with somebody, if all you're doing is, well, I just I put water in the coffee pots. No, you don't. You put water in the coffee pots because somebody who needs the hope of Jesus is going to walk in here and want a cup of coffee. And because we have a cup of coffee, because you put water in the coffee pot, we're going to take a shot. And if you don't remember that, at some point you're just like, I'm tired of putting water in the coffee. Well, then we're tired of you putting in the water coffee too. We'd rather have somebody that does it understanding the purpose of it. Because then they won't be weary when they do it. Because we're taking the shot. Do you see how easy it is to get busy doing church work and forget why we do it? And when we forget why we do it, we're just tired soccer players running around, kicking the ball. Like, at some point, it's like, I'm amazing at this game called soccer. I mean, I'm fantastic. And somebody walks up and goes, like, when do you score? Oh, uh, we don't do that. We just kick the ball around. Oh, and that's why the church doesn't have a lot of impact in the world. Because the world's like, why would you do that? It looks like two services. It looks like today when you walk out, taking a shot looks like this. You walk out those doors and our greeters hand you invite cards, you take them. It looks like you take those cards and you don't put them in the back seat of your car and forget about them because you hand them to people. That's what it looks like to take the shot. You're like, I thought making disciples was like Bible study and stuff. Well, it is. It's also about all these things, right? That's what taking a shot means. It looks like this. It looks like loving on the teachers and the students at East Albemarle Elementary School. You've got your fingers right there in Acts. Just turn a couple of books over um, to 1 Corinthians 16, chapter 9. I just want to share this with you. It's amazing what God did this past week and how it ties into this scripture. Um, Phil sent a message to a friend and said, can we meet with you and just ask you how our church can help you? His friend's a teacher. And so she said, yeah, I'll come. So she came to me. I think maybe another teacher came with her. I think there were two of them there. They just started talking to Phil and to Bridget. Um, Wendy and I were out. We're on vacation. <laughs> That's great. Um, but they're talking to Phil and to Bridget. And so when I got back from vacation, I sat down with Phil, Bridget, and I'm like, so, you know, how did it go? And they just, I mean, couldn't stop talking. So I want to share with you kind of what happened at East Albemarle in our church. Phil and Bridget just say, how can we help you? You know, and, and they get the first expected response. You know, well, we need school supplies. and every kid has school supplies. <clears throat> and then they get a, a, an email from the, the principal there saying, hey, by the way, like on the 17th of August, like we have a meeting with all of our teachers and you want to come love on our teachers and say something to teachers. As soon as you come, just let us know and I'll just like sit down. We'll just pause the whole meeting and give you the floor. And then like on the 20th is open house. Does your church want to set up a table? We're like, we just want to love your kids. We just want to love your kids. So I went to, oh, and he, by the way, Phil, did I mention that we're starting a student enrichment program at East this year? And so every day from 210 to 240 on our campus, if you've got people in your church that, like, they got skills, like um, Megan apparently maybe got skills for playing and singing. I don't know, but, like, you could come do that. Just come on, go on to campus and just teach kids how to do what you do. I'm not going to be teaching people how to play soccer, right? I mean, you play chess, you play checkers, you sing, you like to read, um, you play volleyball. You know, like things you, what you can do well, just come on. Like tell people in your church, just fill out the volunteer form, just come on, come hang out with us. Come hang out with students from 210 to 240 every day. How much does it cost? Free. 
Where do we do it? On their campus. No transportation necessary. Uh, we just wanted to help, like just give you some supplies. So what I'm telling you is this. Taking a shot from really far away looks like, can we just give you some money for book bags? But dribbling in and doing the hard work to get into the position to take a shot that might actually score one out of three times looks like adults who are already busy remembering that there's a possibility that we could share the gospel with kids and teachers at East Albemarle Elementary. I was reminded of this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul's wrapping up his letter. And he says this in verse 5. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you. He sounds so confident. For I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I'll stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit because I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. All the way through there, he's like, perhaps, I hope, if. But listen to how he closes it out. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. And he knew he was going to be there. And why? Listen to this. Verse 9. Because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Can I just say this for our church? And it was kind of accidental the way it happened. Hey, can we help you at East? And you know what happened? A great door for effective ministry has been opened to us. So you want to take the shot? Or do we just want to kick the ball around? Talk about what a great opportunity we have and never actually try to score. Taking a shot at East Albemarle looks like this. It looks like providing supplies and backpacks. It looks like talking with teachers, going to an open house. It looks like spreading the mulch that they've purchased and asked us to come and spread. I thought making disciples was about like Bible study. It is. They're studying you. Will you live it? Or do we just want to kick the ball around? I'd rather shoot. I'd rather take the shot. Uh, Jennifer, will you come share this? I'm going to let Jennifer talk about, because I always talk, take a backpack, and in a minute, when I let you go today, you're going to be walking out the door, and we've already told our greeters to have stuff ready to give to you, and I want you to understand why the grocery bag that you're going to have the chance to take home is so important, and nobody can explain this better than Miss Jennifer. Can I, you, no, you're going to have to come up here. I know you hate that, but... Thank you. Um, so I was just um, talking to Philip after we left last Sunday about these bags and um, just trying to kind of put into words um, the importance of this because to a lot of you, you may think, okay, it's, it's school supplies and we're going to give some teachers basically what they need for a classroom. But um, God just kind of pressed upon my heart to think in my perspective. Um, I've been in the school system for 10 years now and um, the kids that you're going to be buying school supplies for are, are coming from really broken homes um, and don't own a lot and don't have a lot. And so for those kids that I see come into my classroom, um, we have kind of a system at our school the same way that we have book bags. And so when I see a kid come through my class and they don't have their book bag, they don't have their school supplies, you know, I can go to this um, area of the school and, and get them the supplies they need. But more importantly, when they walk through my door and they don't have what they need, um, they immediately feel diminished because they walk in and they see all these parents and adults 
and grandparents who come in and take pictures and hug on them and say, have a great first day, and then bags and bags of Walmart supplies and say, here, Ms. Balkum, this is all the stuff from my kids, so-and-so. Um, and so those kids that don't have that, first of all, just feel like they've let me down. Um, they don't have an answer for it. They can't explain why they didn't get to come in with Walmart bags full of Clorox wipes and pencils and crayons. And then when I'm walking around to every single child and I'm unpacking their supplies and I get to that one that doesn't have anything and their head is just hung low to the floor, it breaks your heart. And then when you see that they feel worthless because of that and they feel ashamed that they can't have what they should, it breaks my heart because you just know that in their lives they don't have control over those things, but they too want to be experiencing what everybody else is experiencing. And so when I can go give them their supplies, their whole world changes. But then on top of that, that's some of the first and only things they will ever own in their life. And so when you see those kids get that pair of scissors, those are the kids that probably spend the entire year fighting with everybody in the classroom that that is their pair of scissors. And to most people, it looks like just a kid's little fight and a little spat, but to me, I know that it's because that kid owns that pair of scissors, and that means the world to them because their teacher gave them that pair of scissors that they wouldn't have had elsewise. So I just want you to know that it's not just a supply list. It's not just bringing junk to teachers. Um, it's something that you're giving the kids the hope of a a wonderful school year and starting out in an amazing way feeling like they're prepared and they feel like everybody else in their classroom even though they know they don't live the same life and it's obvious I can tell you these kids we do not give them enough credit they are very aware of the situations they're in they're extremely aware and they're extremely broken and they need to be loved on in so many different ways and so many ways that you just you just feel sometimes overwhelmed and and you just feel like I don't even know how to attack it and this is an extremely practical way to attack that. And when you take that supply list, do me a favor and pray over it because some kid will get that and your prayers will be heard for that bag and for that kid because it's not a pencil and it's not just a pair of scissors. It's a life and it will make a difference, I promise. A great and effective door for ministry is open to us. It's the last thing you can do today. Um, by the way, about the book bags. It costs money to fill those. So if you, and I, we were trying to come up with that today, this, this past week. It's probably like $20. So if you don't have $20 to fill that, you want to get with a couple people and say, hey, let's fill one together. Sweet. That's, that's awesome. Okay. Just know that you're investing into the kingdom. It's going to go right out of us into the hands of those kids and those teachers. Here's the last thing you can do. We've, we can't talk a whole month about making disciples and not give you the opportunity to make disciples, right? Or even be discipled. And so here's how you can do that. Um, just as we start kind of making these steps towards creating this culture where you um, make discipleship an everyday part of your life here. Um, one of the ways you can do it is if you've got, if you're tech savvy and you have our church app, um, I don't know if we can throw that video, that um, screenshot there or not about getting the church app. But if you've got the church app, when you open it at the top of the church app screen, you're going to see a, a huge letters that say, um, Disciple Me. And all you have to do is click that. There's a form there. It's a real simple form. You fill out with your name. You fill out with um, your email. And then all you put down is Disciple or Discipler. If you feel like you're in a position right now in your life where you need to be discipled, just say Disciple. 
Hit the button and we'll get that. If you want to help disciple people, you want to be a discipler, just put that in there and click it and we'll get that. And we'll get in touch with you. At the back when you leave today, um, at the information desk, there are sheets where you can just, if you're not tech savvy, you can just write your name down, an email address or a phone number and just say, I want to be discipled or I want to disciple, okay? And just check one or the other. And that way we can get you, we're going to start getting you guys hooked up together so you can have little huddles and you can help, help um, speak in each other's lives and disciple each other. Those are three very practical things you can do today. That's how we take the shot, okay? Everything we've talked about, being reliable with the Word of God, being faithful in worship, giving, all the things that we do as Christians, they're really, really important. But what I've got to get you to see is that's just dribbling down the field. It just puts us in a position to take the shot. And I'm telling you, our church is in a position to take the shot. My prayer is that in just a few matter of weeks, that we'll be, I'll be preaching two times a week to a place this full. Because, man, you're going to take these invite cards. You're going to like, you've got to get to the gathering. God's doing something amazing there. And I promise it's not because of any of us here. It's just his hand. He's doing something here. Take that shot. Pick up one of these, these bags on the way out. Fill it. Bring it back. Let us bless some kids and some teachers at East, Al- East Albemarle Elementary. Sign up to be discipled or to be a discipler. And let's start that process. That's how... We fulfill this mission. And I'm letting you know, man, God's committed to this mission. He's committed to making disciples. It's what he's always been about. So here's, here's your big idea today. I want you to pick one of these, pick all of them. I just want you to pick something. I want you to take a step toward the goal because the point is not just to move but to take the shot. And here's what I want you to remember that we'll take away from this, this month of focus. If we fail to start, we'll start to fail. It's as simple as that. If we just talk about it and dribble around the ball and never take a shot, if we fail to start, we're just going to start to fail because eventually we'll be like, what's the point? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of running around the field getting, getting worn out. So start. Pick one of these three and start. Trust that God will use what you do to make an impact in this city. Man, take the shot. Take the shot.